Hello and welcome. It is the Instant Reaction Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. I am happy to be joined by Levin Black. Levin, how you doing? Oh, I gotta say I'm doing pretty well after that game. Pretty, 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 <laughs> pretty good. 49ers, 33-6 to win over the Patriots. It is the biggest home loss of Bill Belichick's career. It was absolute domination by the 49ers in pretty much every single facet of the game. We're going to break it down. We'll give you our thoughts on the offense, our thoughts on the defense. Then we'll obviously react to some of the things that were said in the post-game presser. A little bit of a conspiracy happening. The Wi-Fi went down at Gillette, Levin. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know if Belichick didn't want to answer questions or what, but I guess they got it all straightened out. So we'll react to those as they come in, and uh, maybe we'll get to some of your questions as well. Your first blush reaction, Levin, when I say 33-6 Niners win. Maybe the season isn't over. I can't really. I mean, the swings of this season have been (laughs) incredible. And all of a sudden, the 2019 offensive line showed up. I don't know where they were, but they're back, man. The last two weeks, they have been blocking like they blocked last year. And when they do that, it's like a whole different team out there. Yeah, and I think that's the key why the season might not be over. If this offensive line plays like they have the last two weeks, the Niners could make the playoffs. I still think they got a tough road ahead, especially the next five weeks with the opponents they have. But if the offensive line can play like this, they have a chance. They're capable of beating any team when their offensive line plays well. And that's one of the things that jumped out to me. I remember on Wednesday that Akash and Kyle Posey said on the Shannon plan that the Patriots are not fast. They don't have good team speed and the 49ers do. And we saw that today. But the other thing we saw is someone on Twitter pointed out to me, the 49ers offensively, and I think it started with that offensive line, were so much more physical than the Patriots. Jeff Wilson was pounding the Patriots defense all day long, finishing runs, always falling forward. Debo, of course, just doesn't ever get tackled by the first guy. The physicality the 49ers displayed, I thought, was really apparent and was, again, a throwback to last year. And that's really one of the keys. And, I mean, it's no secret either that if the Niners are able to stay in the game, the game's able to be close or the Niners get a lead, you're in trouble because they're going to wear you down. Because it's not just that they run a lot and running wears down a defense, but even when they're passing – just about every single person who can get the ball in their hands in the passing game is going to be like a running back. He's going to give a physical tool to everybody in his way, whether that's Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, you know, Juice. Any of those guys are like a running back once they get the ball where whoever makes that tackle is taking a hit to do it. And it helps the 49ers move the chains. It helps them keep the ball. They had the ball for 22 minutes in the first half, ended up with 38, over 38 minutes of time of possession in this game. I mean, they are just absolutely grinding you down into dust. And it's awesome to see. It's it's the exact game script the 49ers have needed the last two weeks where they've been able to run the ball, control time of possession, keep the defense fresh. And when they do that, they look damn near unstoppable. And can we just say right from the get-go, that if you're somebody that didn't watch the game and just look at the box score, we don't want to hear any of this junk that Jimmy's not that good because his stat line looks mediocre at best because he didn't get any touchdowns and he threw two picks. But one pick was on a Hail Mary. He did have the one bad throw. It was an overthrow. That's all you can say. It was a bad overthrow. But that happens. The rest of the game, 
he was lights out. He was 20 or 25, if memory serves. Yep. His stat line doesn't quite show how good he was because his rating was actually under 80. Yeah, it was uh, 79 and a half, to be honest. Yeah, I thought last week his stat line made him look way too good. I didn't think he did nearly as much as what the stat line led you to believe. This week, you're totally right. The stat line looks far worse than he played. I actually thought he made a couple of good throws in this game. He had one throw, I think it was like a second and long, to Kittle. Gilmore was guarding Kittle, and it was an out route. And Jimmy had perfect timing, perfect location on the throw. They beat Gilmore, and Kittle was able to get the first down. He had a, uh, another couple good throws in this game. I thought he played fine. He wasn't amazing, but he wasn't as bad as the box score makes it seem. I agree. Right. He he showed off the anticipation that he's always that he's shown in the past, but hadn't really been showing this season. You saw that from the start. I mean, he he made one pass on the very first drive that when he went to make it. I think just about everybody thought, oh, wow, this is going to be an interception. He's throwing it right <laughs> to a guy. But he was actually anticipating Kittle getting past that linebacker and was able to get it just past the linebacker with a perfect pass. And he was like that all game. He was anticipating his guys getting open rather than sitting and waiting to see his guys open. I think maybe he got over a mental hurdle. I think he probably was affected by some of the criticism of the offseason that he needs to not turn the ball over so much. So he was scared to make those anticipation throws because if he anticipates incorrectly, it's going to look like a bad interception. So he was waiting to see the guys open. But in the NFL, once you see the guys open, it's probably too late to start throwing. And to me, this game had to mean a little more for him than any regular season game. He could say what he wants to say in the week before. Look, you're playing against the team that drafted you, the team that said, we're keeping the 40-year-old Tom Brady over you. We think we're better with him than we are with you. They traded you away. That I would be worried if he wasn't looking for a little revenge. I think that's only natural. And you can tell, Evan, first drive of the game, I think it was third and five, and Garoppolo drops back. He gets pressure. He steps up and decides to take off and run. And there's a linebacker in the open field with him. And he made a move to get past him and dove forward for the first down and basically like spiked the ball when he got up. To me, I was like, you know what? Jimmy's fired up today. He came to play. And uh, I think it definitely meant more to him than just a regular, plain old regular season game. It seems like the whole team is kind of rebounded. I think, you know, they didn't get a wake up from the Philly game. They got to wake up from the Dolphins game. They got truly embarrassed in that Dolphins game. They got tons of criticism. You saw some players posting about how much criticism there was and you're either with us or you're against us, blah, 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 which, you know, you deserved criticism after that game. So right, take it. And it looks like they at least took an honest look in the mirror and have rebounded and gotten back to what worked and by the way, that goes for Kyle Shanahan, too, because he's suddenly calling the games like he did in the past. I don't I think he was getting a little too cute early in the season, and he's kind of flipped the script as well. What I liked from Kyle the past two weeks is he's going with the bread and butter plays, even the ones that work early in the game. You see those plays again later in the game. He did it against the Rams with Kittle when the Kittle goes in motion and then becomes a blocker, which is, oh my God, that's a terrifying thought. It's a fantastic play. He came back to that later in the Rams game. And even this game, he came with the Debo sweeps. We didn't just see him in the first quarter on the opening drive. He had Debo in the backfield a couple of times, taking some pitches, which one of which led to a Debo Samuel injury, which we're going to get to. But I agree. You know, coaches can go into slumps just like players can, and Kyle is feeling it right now. Maybe it was the hat. 
He did he did wear the black hat again. Black 49ers hat with that red script. It's an ugly hat. Apparently that's all the only hats Kyle Shanahan has are ugly ones. But he switched last week. They played great. He wore it again this week. They played great. I guarantee you I know what hat he's wearing next week, Levin. Yeah, it's not going to be the gray. I think uh, you know, he had to go away from that. Take the, you know, Walt Frazier advice for the people that remember those commercials. No play for Mr. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> Way to reference a commercial that's like 40 years old. That's <laughs> yeah, like 20 years old, but it played for like 15 years. It's only been like the last five years that they stopped playing them. And you know what? Shame on us because we're almost nine minutes into this thing. We didn't mention Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson is an absolute monster today. Yeah, three touchdowns. What's that? Three touchdowns. I mean, hopefully he's able to come back, but, you know, that's another injury. Yes, we will get to that. 17 carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns, like you said, six and a half yards per carry. He was awesome. Just an absolute sledgehammer for the 49ers. He kept the offense, the down and distance in, in, favorable situations there weren't many situations where jimmy garoppolo is dropping back on third and 13 even like third and eight third and nine there just weren't a lot of those because of how well they ran the ball and that's huge for jeff wilson to step up like he did when most it's on ir right the key i think to this run game is when you get the ball don't be dancing around don't be looking for the hole just get moving forward as fast as you can and take what's there in front of you because it seems like, you know, Mostert does that a good bit. Uh, and Wilson was doing it this week. And that's when they're successful. When they just get it and they go. The guys that have been dancing a little bit, like a Coleman, they don't hit, they don't get to that hole as fast and they don't, they're not as effective. Wilson, I think, well, I mean, there's the injury, but assuming he gets back, I think he might have played his way into leapfrogging Coleman whenever Coleman comes back. Everyone leapfrogged Coleman. <laughs> Michael Hasty leapfrogged Coleman. He looked great again yeah. today. Limited carries, but nine carries, 57 yards. He had a, a nice catch, one catch for 16 yards, where he basically caught like a screen pass and made something out of it. I mean, everyone has leapfrogged Tevin Coleman at this point. I mean, why he's still on the team is beyond me, but incredible ground game, like we said, incredible game plan from Shanahan. Even the wide receivers got into it a little bit, Levin. I mean, Ayuk had a really nice game. What, he finished six catches, 115 yards. Debo Samuel had five catches for 65 yards. Kittle had five catches for 55 yards. It was a balanced effort by the 49ers today. And you're you're kind of crowing a little bit because you thought Ayuk would have a good game. <laughs> yeah, I posted the key was uh, getting Ayuk the ball on the outside because, I mean, it, the, the one staple that Bill Belichick has as a defensive coach is he will take away your best option now Kittle still had a good game he wasn't able to do that he just doesn't have the defensive players right now to take away somebody like Kittle but I figured he was going to try to take away the middle of the field which takes away a lot of the short quick to develop plays which I think Shanahan was trying to get to because of the offensive line well I think Shanahan anticipated that and one up to Bill Belichick with all these wide receiver screens and wide receiver pitches that got them out to the outside where it was basically, we're, we're not even, I mean, a lot of the pass plays weren't even looking at the middle of the play. They were essentially runs. And Tony Romo was talking about that during the game, that they're essentially outside runs that just get to the ball to the wide receiver right away. The speed game, the speed advantage for the 49ers was evident. Romo was talking about it all game long about setting the edge and how, 
the 49ers are able to do it. And the Patriots just couldn't cover the ground that they needed to. And and the Niners guys are so good carrying the ball, whether it's Ayuk or Kittle or Debo, Wilson, Hasty, whoever it was. I mean, they really take advantage of that. I think it was JT O'Sullivan that told us that Kyle Shanahan's offense is an offense for punt returners. And I keep thinking of that over and over again because these guys with the ball in their hands get so much after the catch that it's just hard to stop them. Right. It's what all of us have been talking about all season, that if this offense can get healthy, they're an impossible matchup for opponents because a lot of it, you know, they're not, they got all the speed, but they're also skilled. You know, they're not just speed guys. They also have a lot of ability to run routes to make guys miss, like you said, you know, they're not just a straight line runner. They're going to make jukes. They're going to make cuts, things like that. And with Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, you know, the run game going, they have so much speed. It's really hard for a defense to be able to stop everybody. Somebody's getting open. It was for the second straight week. I thought Kyle Shanahan just put on a master class and the 49ers, you know, the, the past two weeks, I wrote it down because it jumped out to me. In the, the past two weeks, the 49ers have scored 133 points. And that's phenomenal. And I think that's in large part due to Shanahan's game plan rather than, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo just making incredible throws or, you know, Raheem Mostert making 12 guys miss every time. I think it has a lot to do with the game plan. And it's, it's rolling right now for the 49ers offense. Uh, there were injuries, like we said. Jeff Wilson went down with an ankle. Richie James went down. Debo Samuel gave us all a scare because it looked like it might be a knee, but apparently now they're calling it a hamstring injury. We'll sort of dive into that later in the pod. But aside from those injuries, it was offensively brilliant today. I have zero complaints. Right. I mean, that's pretty much everything about the offense. I mean, everybody played well. There's not one single person on the offense that you could say that person had a bad game. I mean, not, I'm not going to sit here and say every single play was executed perfectly. You know, but they had a really good game. There's not a single person out there that you go, you know, that offensive lineman got beat multiple times or, you know, that wide receiver just wasn't getting open or, or what, whatever you want to say. Everybody that played did really well on offense. Normally, when you score 33 points, I might give the offense the game ball, but Levin, no Nick Bosa, no D Ford, no Ronald Blair, no Solomon Thomas, no Quan Alexander, no Richard Sherman. No Kwan Williams, no Tart, no Ward, and you hold New England to six points. This defense, I don't know where they're really getting it from because it's not like their pass rush has been incredible, but they're shutting people down. And today they they locked down New England. Yeah, I mean they had a secret weapon. Cam Newton was the other quarterback. <laughs> and Fred Warner is really <laughs> right. freaking good. Let, let's be honest here. They're they played a great game. The defense did. But there were certainly plays that were left on the field because Cam Newton didn't throw it within five yards of his intended target. I think there would have been some plays there for New England, maybe some more points. I think the Niners still would have easily won because their game plan was just better all around. But there were plays that were left because Cam Newton was so bad. But I think we should stay with the positive. You know, it wasn't all about Cam Newton. Like you said, Fred Warner... Tony Romo even said it. He's the best linebacker in the league. I think he's taken that title and he's running with it. And I think he's a big part of what you're seeing. This Niners team still doesn't really get pressure on the quarterback very well. You know, they're not getting sacks really. Um, But they have good corners. The safeties, I mean, they weren't really tested today. 
But with Ward and Tart healthy, they have really good safeties. But then Warner just takes up that whole middle of the field and makes it so much easier on everybody. It allows the corners to just worry about the outside because you know Warner is going to cover up anything that's coming underneath over the middle. It was incredible. They had Warner on Edelman in the first series of the game, man-to-man, just one-on-one. And he was locking him down. Like, when you can do that and you're Robert Sala and you, you say, Warner, you've got Edelman and Verrett, you know, you shut down one of the outside wide receivers. Mosley takes the other one. I mean, what a luxury for him. And like I, you know, we talked about this week, is the secondary propping up this pass rush a little bit? Yeah, but they keep getting it done. Second week in a row where there was, there was very few plays to be had out there in New England today. Yeah, it's, I mean, last year, everybody was saying, well, the secondary looks so good because of the defensive line is so dominant. Other quarterbacks don't get the time to develop anything. And that was a big part of why the Niners allowed the fewest yards passing of any team in the last decade last year. Well, now we're seeing this season, maybe that wasn't completely true. Maybe it was both parts of the defense were just incredibly good because this secondary is having to do it all on their own because the pass rush is just, I mean, let's be honest about it. There's people injured, but it is one of the, it's not the worst, but it's one of the worst pass rushes in the league. I think that that's something that should be just accepted. It, it is, it's not terrible. It is to be expected with the fact that it's all backups, basically. But they're not getting sacks, and that it is what it is. The secondary is still holding up, which is great to see because in years past, what would happen when the pass rush doesn't get there, the secondary, after three or four seconds, would give up a long pass or somebody would get wide open. That's not happening. No, it's not happening. I mean, Cam Newton in the first half was four of eight for 30 yards with two interceptions. I mean, that is as bad as bad gets. But I was a little worried in this one because, look, Belichick is known for adjusting. So I wanted to see what would happen in the second half. Well, Patriots get the ball first. They come out in the second half, and all of a sudden they start carving the 49ers up with chunk plays down the field. But what happened? Dre Greenlaw got a sack when he was unblocked coming off the edge. That drive sputtered. The England only got a field goal, and that was basically it on offense for them the rest of the way. So I don't know if Cam just didn't execute the adjustments that Belichick prescribed or if Sala was just on top of the game and countered what Bill did, but I was really happy that the Patriots didn't come storming back in the second half of the game. It was a complete lockdown in both halves. Well, a couple things there. One, I don't know how much Bill makes the offensive adjustments. That was probably a lot of McDaniels and Brady over the years. But he probably has a role. Two, let's give credit. You know, we've been heavily criticizing him. So I think he needs to get some credit and some mention here. Sala called a great game. He had a great game plan. His players executed really well. He completely shut down a team on the East Coast. I mean, Niner fans know as well as any fan base what happens when a West Coast team goes out East to play. They don't do well. It, it's a hard adjustment to make. The Niners are 3-0 and on the East Coast, and in this game, Salah had his defense ready to play. And they came out physical as well. I, mean, Warner, I think the Warner reception definitely pumped them up. It was just it was a pleasant surprise because I thought that, they were, that, that McDaniels and Belichick and Cam were going to have a lot of success against the Niners' D, especially with Cam as a runner, But they didn't really use him that much. I mean, we were both kind of texting during the game saying, like, eventually they're going to have to whip whip this part of the game land out. And they really didn't. They had a couple back-to-back Cam-designed runs. He he 
basically hardly scrambled at all. I don't know if that just wasn't part of the plan or if Salah was, was, you know, expecting that and, and had somebody spying him, but I don't really think they did. It just never really happened. No, it's, it is odd. I don't think there's any other way to put it that they never tried that with the issues that this defense has had with running quarterbacks to not even try that when you have, well, I guess it's, you got to say it. He's one of the best running quarterbacks in league history. It's odd. It make it makes you wonder how much they are putting into this. If I'm being honest, is Bill looking for a high draft pick? Well, he's on his way because they're three and four. So. <laughs> right, uh, three and four, two and four. They're multiple games under five. Oh, they're two right? and four. You're right. I'm yeah. sorry. That's my bad. Yeah. I was going to say it's the first time in the Belichick era that there are multiple games under 500 or something this late in the season. I saw that right before we came along. So, um, But, yeah, it, it does make me wonder. The game plan that they had offensively just didn't make sense to me, especially in the second half. When you saw it wasn't working, they didn't really make adjustments on the offense. And, like I said, it just made me wonder. They kept trying to pass the ball down the field, it looked like to me. they you know James White was not involved. He had one catch. That's it. You know, he's averaging like five, six catches a game when he plays. And then you also look at the fact they didn't run Cam. I'm just saying, makes me wonder. I mean, technically Cam had five carries for 19 yards, but like I said, two of those were design runs, so he wasn't looking to scramble at all. It was it was a lockdown performance by the 49ers defense, and they all deserve credit. I mean, they all played well. Jason Verrett continued to just do Jason Verrett things and not let anyone catch passes on him, basically. And that's it. I mean, you said it before. Everyone on the offense played well, and that's just kind of the same thing on the defense. Everybody played well. Congratulations. It's going to be a lot tougher as we go here, but uh, all you know, A's all around for the 49ers this week for sure. Why don't we take our first break, first and only break? I don't know why I said first, but we'll take our break. We'll come back. We'll react to some of the things that were said in the postgame press conference, and we'll sort of look ahead down the road because we hinted at the schedule, and there are some injuries that could impact what the 49ers do down that stretch. All right, now it's time to take a look at some of the post-game comments after the dominating 33-6 to win. Um, first off, listen to this from Bill Belichick, Levin. We were clearly outcoached, outplayed, just out everything. The 49ers are a good team. Kyle did a good job like he always does. We just, we didn't do enough and look at what the results were. That is a defeated Bill Belichick. That is uh, Bill Belichick. I mean, he has... A lot of love for Kyle Shanahan. It's why he sent Jimmy to the mm-hmm. Niners because he was confident Jimmy would be the right place for Jimmy. He didn't, or sorry, San Francisco would be the right place for Jimmy because of Kyle Shanahan. He didn't want to send Jimmy to some terrible coach where he knew his career would be ruined. Bill Belichick's a straight shooter. We know that. Now, sometimes he doesn't like to shoot at all and he keeps his mouth shut. I'm kind of surprised he didn't do one of his one word answer press conferences, but he's a straight shooter when he does talk. Shanahan on the team identity. This is how it's been the last two weeks, and that's how you hope it is every week. You said the defense and the entire team upped their physicality. I think he's a thousand percent right. They, you know what? They played like they were fans in the stands because, like, they played with an energy that I haven't seen them play with all year. That's going to be an energy that they need next week against Seattle. Let's be honest. I mean, it's a good time to right the ship because these next five weeks are going to sink them. Or they'll still be alive because they're four and three. They got five really tough games coming up. 
they got to win at least three of them, I think, to have any shot at the playoffs. They can, you know, if they only win two of the five, that means they're six and six. Given how bad the NFC East is this year, it's going to take 10 and six probably to win a wild card spot because there's going to be 10 and six teams sitting there in the wild card. I don't think this is going to be a year where there's a nine and seven wild card team. So that means the Niners have a tough road and they righted the ship just at the right time. Then let's hope it continues. And one of the reasons it continued, we talked about Brandon Ayuk a little bit. Shanahan impressed with him after the game. He gets better each week. I was impressed with him. He said the team is putting extra pressure on him to produce, which is surprising that they would say that considering he's a rookie. Like this is only his seventh game. And today he caught a deep ball from Jimmy Garoppolo, which by the way, was a terribly thrown ball. I don't know what Niner Nate was watching or what Matt Barrows was watching, talking about how good of a ball it was. It should have been a touchdown. It was a wounded duck wobbler that almost took Ayuk out of bounds. But he is impressive, and he keeps getting better every week. Well, he did criticize him. He said that it was his responsibility to make sure the Hail Mary did not get intercepted so that Jimmy didn't get a bad interception on his stat line. It is very, uh, I think, telling that Kyle Shanahan praises Ayuk every single week, but then also criticizes him over something minuscule every single week. He, he does this every week. And I think it's because he knows Ayuk is a special player, and he's certainly showing it. I mean, he's far ahead of where Debo was as a rookie at this point. You know, remember Debo, his overall stat line finished up well, but in the first half of the season, he didn't really do much. You could see Debo took time to really get going. Ayuk's already there. I mean, 115 yards already. And you said it early in the year, and I thought you were crazy. Said it at training camp. You thought Ayuk could be the best receiver on the 49ers. Now, Debo certainly does it in a different way, but I think as a pure receiver, I think that maybe Ayuk might be better. I think you might have been right on that one. Yeah, I think you could... If you want to kind of split hairs and give both players credit, Debo might be a better offensive weapon, and Ayuk is a better offensive wide receiver. Not that there's a defensive one, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think that might be the way to put it. Although, uh, I would wonder how well Ayuk would do on those end-arounds that Debo does, because Ayuk's really good after the after getting the ball in his hands as well. Probably wouldn't have the power, but he might have a little bit more speed to really take off. What do you think of this from George Kittle? Quote, it's fun to be part of a team with a bunch of psychopaths. I fit in really great here. <laughs> well, if it's a team of a bunch of psychopaths, I'm glad I'm still alive after two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of criticism thrown their way from me, you, pretty much everybody. So as long as the psychopaths stay on the field and they turn that back off when they <laughs> come off the field, then we're good. I mean, you want psychopaths. It's a sport where you need kind of crazy people who are looking for contact or, as he said in another quote, looking for pain. Yeah, he was talking about Jeff Wilson. Let me pull up the actual quote because it's classic Kittle. He wants pain. He deals pain. He wants contact. He lives looking at people who try and tackle him. He said that the Wilson goes to a dark place before games that's different than practice. He loves seeing it and he loves playing with Wilson. Well, and that could kind of transition us 11 because he's not going to be playing with Jeff Wilson for the next few weeks at least. He, on his third touchdown, the defender kind of landed on the back of his foot. His ankle rolled in a way that ankles are not supposed to roll. And 
it looks like once again, the dreaded high ankle sprain has risen up to bite the 49ers. And this time it's Jeff Wilson. Yeah, I guess the carousel continues. I mean, that that's what it's been for the running backs all year. I mean, seems like the moment you get the starting job, you're getting injured. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you're going to get like 50 carries. Well, <laughs> the last couple of weeks, yes. Uh, but it, it's the hasty show now, I guess. I mean, they don't really have another option. I mean, McKinnon was, I mean, he played, but he was almost like a healthy scratch in this game. He barely saw the field. And Shanahan said in the post game that he was resting McKinnon for the next week, which I find really odd. Why does he need rest? It's not like he's been getting 30 carries a game. They're very worried about his health, his knee, and, and his injury history, which has got to be frustrating for McKinnon because he said when he went to Kyle and agreed to take a pay cut last year, he said, I'll take a pay cut, but I don't want you to put me under any sort of restriction. You know, treat me like any other player. And it's very clear that Kyle Shanahan said, uh, sure, sure, Jarek, we'll do that. And is resting, like you said, he's admitted to resting him. So they're they're still treating him with kid gloves a little bit. It makes me wonder if there's certain plays in the game plan for next week against Seattle meant to get McKinnon open in the passing game where he still excels. Makes me wonder. Yeah, I think as a runner, Hasty is clearly more explosive and quicker than than Jet. And to me, if you're just comparing them as runners, Hasty's got the advantage. Yeah, I mean, Hasty looks like the classic Niner running back with Kyle Shanahan. A little bit smaller, but does not shy away from contact and is quick and fast as hell. It's uh, I, I every time he gets the ball, I just feel like it's exciting because he's fast and but he also he's very elusive. He makes some jump cuts sometimes and he makes people look silly out there. Can we just uh, say once and for all, don't pay pay a running back ever. It's not worth it, especially in this system. I would argue it's not worth it for any team. I mean, if I was Dallas, I would be shopping Zeke, if I'm being honest. What, well, what's he What's he doing now that he has a bad offensive line, looking like an average running back? If he was all that, he would be looking better. The Niners well, don't need to pay somebody, even pay them. They paid Coleman $5 million a year. They didn't need to do that. They don't need to pay somebody that. No, I mean, I don't want to sound cold-hearted, but if I ran the 49ers or any team, I would never pay a running back. I would draft a running back. If you can steal him at the end of the first round, good. Get the fifth-year option. Franchise him once, maybe twice, and then let him go. And you draft a running back, you got five years to find another one. So, I mean, it's, that's how I would handle it. That seems to be, hopefully, now the way the 49ers are going to handle it going forward. Um, but he wasn't the only I I, I got to cut you in there. I would never waste a first-round pick on a running back. I don't even care if it was the 32nd pick. They're not worth it, and especially when you get down there. Like, if you go to the top of the first round, normally they're pretty safe bets to be good. But you get to the bottom of the first, second round, I mean, it, it's a crapshoot just like anywhere else. I would rather do what they're doing. Maybe a late-round guy, bring in cheap free agent, you know, not Coleman level. But, you know, McKinnon was brought in as a free agent. He was paid more, but now he's on a league minimum. Or the undrafted free agents. You know, Mostert would be a free agent. That's the route I would go. Like, don't even waste a high-round pick on that. Now, I wish that that was the only injury we had to talk about, Levin. Yeah. But there's not. Because when this game was well in hand, 30-3 to in the fourth quarter, Kyle Shanahan runs a pitch 
with Debo Samuel out of the backfield, which I did like that he used him. He lined him up as a running back multiple times in the game. I thought that was a nice, you know, new wrinkle that we haven't seen. But he used it late in the game. He did a pitch to Debo, and he runs out of bounds, and all of a sudden he grabs his left knee after going out of bounds, and he's standing still. And he's not, he's not like walking it off and grabbing the knee. He was just grabbing it. And I'm already starting with the swears in my house like a machine gun. Mother, <laughs> how many injuries do we have on this team? Everybody's getting hurt. Just when he gets back and rolling and into the flow, he gets hurt again. Now, good news is the 49ers say it's a hamstring, not a knee. I don't believe that at all, by the way. This team has been not honest about injuries in any fashion, and they always say it's minor, and the next day the guy goes on IR. What was your reaction when you saw Debo grab the knee? Uh, same thing. I mean, it's like, of course, you know, everything is going well and, you know, and you can absorb the Wilson hit because like we said, so many running backs can plug into the system and be effective. But Debo is one of the things that opens up the offense. I mean, because he can do so many different things. As far as what they said, you know, I don't think I would, I didn't really take what Shanahan said you know, before the Wi-Fi cut out about the injury as him downplaying it, he said they fear he pulled his hamstring. If he completely pulled his hamstring, his season could be over. I mean, a complete tear of your hamstring is a really long injury to come back from, especially somebody has to, you know, take off sprinting constantly like a wide receiver. And even if it's like just a slight tear, it's a couple of weeks normally. Like, And it's one of those things that lingers if you don't let it rest. So I didn't take that as them downplaying it. The hamstring is one of the one of my least favorite injuries to hear for a wide receiver because they they seem to like never get healthy from it. I mean, look at Julio Jones. Every single week questionable. is questionable because of hamstring. <laughs> yep, and that means he's he. I would assume. He's definitely not going to play next week against Seattle. I mean, I would assume it's one week at least. You know, even if it's a miracle comeback, he's still probably not going to be ready to play Seattle. And then do they play Green Bay after that on the short week? Mm -hmm. Which means he probably won't be in there for that game. And that hurts because he's been a key piece of this offense, you know, doing those sweeps around the edges and on screen passes. To not have him is really going to hurt the 49ers. Yeah, I mean – Unless it's like the most minor of hamstrings, which I seriously doubt with the way that he left the field, we're probably talking about coming back after the bye week, which I think is what we got three games, then the bye week. So, because like I said, it's one of those that if you come back too soon, you're just likely to be right back to square one with it. You cannot come back too soon from a hamstring. It does not heal, especially for a wide receiver. You know, maybe another position can come back when it's, got a tiny bit of healing left to do, not a wide receiver. So it's one of those things that if it's even a, you know, a small tear, he's probably done until the bye week. So they're at Seattle next week. Then they play green Bay on the short week on Thursday night. Then they go to new Orleans after that, that's the next three. And then the week after that is the bye week Yeah. So I, I would say if it's anything significant, which it sounds like it could be, He's at least going to be out till the bye week. And uh, so we talked about the pressure on Brandon Ayuk. Well, guess what? There's going to be even more on you now. And my question to you, Levin, is 
with these two wins, as good as the 49ers have looked, does that change your outlook for the trade deadline? Should they maybe make a move for a wide receiver now if Debo's going to be out? Or should they say, maybe we give up another draft pick to get that pass rusher to really add sort of a finishing piece to the defense? Unless uh, something falls in your lap, no. They should not make an Emmanuel Sanders level move, put it that way. Because the chances with this division and, like I said, the way the NFC is shaping up, to have a true shot at winning the Super Bowl is pretty slim. I mean, if I'm being honest, they put their chances of winning the Super Bowl or winning the NFC even this year at basically a puncher's chance. You know, they, they got the one chance for the miracle haymaker. Playoffs, I would say they have a better chance. But even that, like they're looking at a wild card right now. I mean, they're two games down on Seattle. So it's going to take a miracle to pass them because Seattle's going to you know Seattle's going to win 10, 11 games. The Niners aren't going to be there. You know, I think 10 wins is the best case scenario for the 49ers. That, that's not a team that you go out there and trade a mid-round pick. They're already down a third-round pick. You don't, it's not, not the move to make. You, you stick with your team. You hope some guys get healthy, and that's your push for the playoffs is guys coming back from injury. How hard are you rooting for Arizona tonight against Seattle? If Arizona wins, they'd be five and two. Seattle would be five and one. The 49ers are four and three. You still got two games against Seattle. You still have another game against Arizona. I mean, it'd be really convenient for the 49ers if Arizona could get their heads out of their asses and win a game. That's a tough one, though, because the chances of catching Seattle are slim to none, I think, like I just said. But Arizona is one of the teams the Niners have to pass to get to a wild card. So it's kind of one of those things. Do you want Seattle to run away with the division and see the team you hate the most, or at least most fans hate the most at this point, run away with the division and have to hear about it again, but have a better shot at a wild card? Or do you want everybody in the division to get grouped back up? It's kind of like a catch-22, and I actually responded to somebody on Twitter before we came on saying, they were conflicted, and I said, I'm rooting for a tie. <laughs> there you go, half win. Because like, yeah, you kind of get a, like a half game on both teams that way. I think that's the best case scenario. As far as winning and losing, yeah, I'll probably be, I wouldn't say quite rooting for Arizona, but I would prefer them to win just because that brings Seattle back down, and you never know what's going to happen. You know, they're, they're like almost any team, one injury away from being crap again. Well, we know for Seattle, we know what one injury that is. I mean, it's the guy that never gets injured. It's Russell. I mean, if Russell Wilson goes down, the Seahawks are, they're done. Like they're absolutely done. They have one of the worst defenses in the league. They need to put Russell Wilson, you know, in bubble wrap, get the plexiglass out for Russell Wilson. Because if, if he goes down, they're toast. Then, then it's chaos in the NFC West. Yeah. I don't even know who their backup is actually. Uh, I think about it. So, yeah, it. I mean, all teams are one win, one injury away from being garbage again. Even Seattle, even though they never seem to have that key injury, not at the quarterback position anyway. By the way, you think Brady got a kick out of today's game? He gets a win with the Bucks. He's dropping dimes all over the place. Then he checks the Patriots Forty Nine ers score and sees a thirty three to six up there. Somewhere, Tom Brady is sitting back in his chair, drinking a who knows with him. It's probably a cucumber water. 
just loving life right now with Bruce Arians and Gronk. So you brought it up. Can I just say, Bruce Arians, you know, I don't, I don't know how to put this. Bruce Arians is so full of Oh, did you see what he said after the game in his post-game press conference? Because his quote from the beginning of the season was, there's absolutely no way Antonio Brown is coming to this team. He's not a good fit here, period. Now he's been signed. After the post-game, he said, Brady had no part in that decision. Bullshit. It is all Brady. You made your quarterback happy because you knew he was going to be pissed if you didn't. And it was also a decision to keep him away from an NFC team that you're likely to be fighting for a top spot for, you know, in Seattle where he was rumored to be going. It just Arians, man, this year. I had a lot of respect for him when he was in Arizona. I thought he was a straight shooter, good coach. This year, between some of the mask and COVID things he's been saying and this crap, you brought him up, so I'm going there. Arians, I got no respect for left. He's, no, he's flying out of the Oh, yeah. The idea that Brady had no influence on the Antonio Brown thing is ridiculous. When Brady, I mean, he wanted to keep him in New England. He was mad when they cut him. He's been maintaining the friendship. I even said, like, I even read before the Super Bowl, he went down to Antonio's house to check up on him and see how he was doing. Like, he played that game with him and had those practices. And he's like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. I have probably haven't played with a receiver as good as him since Randy Moss. And at this point, Brady's 43. He's going to play like one or two more years. He's like, I, I don't care. This guy's a piece of crap. I want him on my team. Yeah, it, it's amazing how even these quarterbacks who have pretty squeaky clean images go fawning for, let's be honest, a piece of shit of a human being. That's what Antonio Brown is. Let's just be honest. I know you're sitting there not, <laughs> not wanting to go that far as I did, but he is. I'm willing to say it. I. He is. I knew him back in college before he had all that attitude. Yeah, he is. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, I, here's my hesitation. I think he needs help. Like, he's not yeah, a good person. I think he has mental issues. He also, I think, is not mentally healthy, and he needs help. But it's, you know, it's hard to help someone that doesn't want help. And he keeps it's hard getting to, jobs, well, so Normally somebody's willing to accept help when they hit rock bottom. It's hard to hit rock bottom when you have millions of dollars still. And you keep getting work. I mean, he keeps getting hired again. So, but somehow we diverged onto Antonio <laughs> Brown and the Buccaneers and you're blaming me for that. Well, look at like, it's hard to keep saying the 49ers played really well. They played really well next week against Seattle. You know what? If you asked me in week two, if the Seattle week was going to be fun, I would have said, absolutely not. It's going to be terrible. It's not even going to matter by then. And I was dead wrong. The 49ers have bounced back, and Seattle week, Levin, it, it's got juice now. There's juice to this week, and I'm looking forward to it. Just, you know, it's music to my ears when you say I was dead wrong, talking about you saying you were wrong. So, you know, keep that up. Just Let's ignore more of that. I said there, huh? <laughs> no, I, I just key in on that, you know. <laughs> no, look, you know, people say I'm too negative. When the team plays badly, I say they played badly. When they play well, I say they played well. And when I was wrong, I say I was wrong. Like, it's not a, you know, it's not a confusing situation. Whatever happens, that's what I say. And Sorry, when they're bad, I'm going to call them out. And yeah, I was wrong. I thought the season was over. I was wrong. Thank you. I appreciate it.
Oh, you were right there with me. Don't act like you were, you know, up there with Nate conducting the 49ers hype train. You were right no. there with me. I, I was kind of like, if you had the negative train, I was kind of like hanging on to the back of the caboose, still trying to hop on, but not quite hopping on yet. <laughs> were you running alongside the train? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to catch up, and then all of a sudden the train disappeared. <laughs> yeah, somehow that makes you better than me, apparently. I mean, at least I was driving the train. You're trying to jump on illegally. I'm just not quite as negative as you. No, few are in that class, I will admit. But anyway, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Instant Reaction Podcast. Niners win 33-6. to They head to Seattle 4-3. and And look, who knows where it goes from here. But enjoy this one. We'll be back, obviously, the rest of the week with episodes. Levin, you'll be back on Thursday. Thank you for hopping in tonight. Yeah, I mean, what, what else am I going to do? Drink heavily? Well... I think you've seen, I've had a beer throughout this episode. Have you finished all the Halloween candy that you were eating last week? No, that got hidden. (laughs) By you? No, I'm actually pretty good at, like, I'm not somebody that likes a ton of sugar. My wife, however, was hitting it hard and told me to hide it, so I put it somewhere that she can't reach. (laughs) I know where it's at, but she can't reach it, and I can't can't easily get to it. She's like a toddler, she can't reach it? Would you put it on top of the refrigerator? Exactly, and I pushed it way to the back. Ah, with those cabinets that no one can ever use. Exactly. Anyway, that's it. Go 49ers. Hopefully, Debo Samuel rests up, and uh, we'll we'll be back at you this week.